Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back to another episode of Birdland tonight. You've got Cody from uh, the Orioles podcast. I just like the duck, and uh, Josh Roca joining us from the road. Josh, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right. I am uh, driving up 95, heading up to the Outer Banks. So uh, if I uh, if my audio sucks or anything, just tell me to hang up and you take over. Hey, no I don't problem. Know how 95 is going to do? So uh, it was kind of interesting. We actually, you know, with you on the road, uh, you listened to a completely different broadcast than uh, than most of us watching the uh, TV broadcast of uh, Kevin Brown and Ben, ben McDonald. I know for some folks uh, that would have been a welcome change, but uh, but how was it? How was the old radio broadcast? So I I forced myself to listen to the radio broadcast. At many times, I wanted to just go to the MLB app and switch over to the to the video stream um, because Melanie Newman cannot paint a picture. <laughs> she cannot help me to vision what's going on in the game. Then you get Jeff Arnold every other inning, and I like Jeff. Jeff does a good job. Uh, Jeff's a good friend. He's, he's a great – he's always been good to Birdland tonight, been good to Section 336. I like Jeff. He does a great job. Melanie Newman cannot paint a picture. She's great at the little stuff like, hey, let me tell you about Tanner Scott getting engaged over the All-Star break or whatever. <laughs> but I don't care about that. I want to know when that pop fly was hit over by to the first baseman, was it even fair? Was there a chance for it to be caught? Stuff like that she cannot help me with. You know, uh, this is Melanie's rookie season, I think. Um, so, so uh, probably a little bit of growing pains, um, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, to be fair, it, it's a little bit, uh, you know, it, it's a little bit different than listening to Kevin Brown quiz Ben McDonald regarding how many times he had to play with a black eye, and could he pitch? Did he ever bat with it? Um, so all sorts of kind of you know endless entertainment that you get from uh, from a typical Kevin Brown podcast or sorry game broadcast. With, yeah, with, which tonight's game was perfect game for that because it's a crap game. <laughs> We're out of it pretty much most of the game. So that's when you want that type of stuff. So and, let's. All right. The good thing for Mel- Melanie is no one listens to the Orioles broadcast. But they I really also don't. wonder, did, did she broadcast other games anywhere before <laughs> the Orioles? I'm not but sure. I if, won't hate on that. Let's talk about the game. You know, do broadcasters have uh, baseball cards? If they don't, I think that would be fun to see. Like, where, what were her, her minor league uh, credentials? You know, something like that. That'd be, yeah, broad, I, broadcasters should be know, on, the, on trading cards. 
Well, I know Jeff Arnold's background. I know how he got to this, and that's exciting. I know Adam Pohl's background, and I know that he kind of did not get this position that he was going for. So he's still doing things with Philly. I know these guys, and I've followed their careers through. I do not know Melanie's career up to this point. And I think this is a good spot for me to stop the discussion. Fair, fair enough. Fair up. enough. Fair enough. Hey, you know what? I am excited to see. I'm going to tune in to see. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball is making a big deal. Uh, Melanie Newman is going to participate in a all-female broadcast uh, with the Orioles, uh, one of the Orioles-Tampa Bay Rays games. Um, I, I'm going to tune in. It's going to be interesting to see, interesting to hear the commentary. Um, you know, and, and again, let's, uh, let, let's see how that plays out and, you know, see what we have there. I think that, Hey, it's great. More diversity, bringing in people with different backgrounds, uh, a little bit more female talent in the game. I don't know if that, you know, I, I do think, I think that's going to, uh, help the game. But again, to your point, uh, it needs to, the, the quality needs to be there and we need to make sure that we're getting, you know, the basics, you know, what's going on in this play? How did it develop? And I think that there's a little bit of leeway to be given for folks during their first year, but uh, that's that's going to be running out. But hey, let's let's jump in real quick and and sum up the game. It was ugly from the get go. Uh, the, the Kansas City Royals really jumped all over Keegan Aiken right through the first couple innings. Uh, the Orioles end up with six total hits. Uh, I know this is a, a stat that you like to see. Did we have as many? strikeouts as we did hits uh we had as a team six hits pedro severino had half of those and we the team had nine strikeouts um pretty ugly against the kansas city royals who had 15 hits again a final score of nine to two uh i thought it was interesting cedric mullins was credited with his all-star cedric mullins was credited with his second error of the year, a throwing error that was uh, uh, completely off target to the cutoff man, and I think probably cost us an out and a run there. Uh, but you know what? In a game that seemed to be out of hand uh, right after the second inning, I'm not sure if that was going to matter. Yeah. Can I back up for a moment? Yeah. How did we get to this point that after the All-Star break, we come out of the All-Star break and Keegan Aiken is our starting pitcher? Not only is Keegan Aiken our starting pitcher, I feel like the organization has no idea who's going to be pitching even tomorrow. Right. They keep saying maybe Lopez. What happened to John Means? He's pitched rehab, at least two rehab games that I know of in the minors. I think his last rehab I game. I think, no, I think his, I think he pitched in Norfolk. Uh, if I, if and I recall correctly. Aberdeen. Uh, but but the Norfolk or no, but I think Bowie as well. I think he pitched Aberdeen Bowie and maybe he pitched Norfolk as well. But I don't think he's on enough rest. So I, I think that he needs a few more days rests because it does seem like that uh, that uh, uh, I want to say that he gave up like three hits or, or maybe it was four hits, three runs. I want to say he had something like four strikeouts and three walks. It wasn't a. Uh, a great outing, his last rehab assignment. Uh, but again, in a situation like that, he's looking to kind of work on stuff and just focus on his pitch count. I don't think he really cares right. what the score to the game is. Correct. But I think the – I can't – I'm trying to figure out what Michael Elias is doing coming out of the All-Star break. Because clearly 
it's now time where he wants to try to make some moves and make some trades. And we're sellers. So was he trying to have Keegan Aiken give a good outcome? Was he? Does he not even care enough about what goes on at the major leagues at this point? It was just a weird position to come out of your all-star break and not and still feel like you don't know who's pitching tomorrow. Absolutely, and that's it. So let's let's kind of take a look at what happened in the game. We we had uh, Keegan Aiken who okay. went all of uh, three innings pitched, gave up eight hits, six earned runs, three walks, two strikeouts. He did not look good. Uh, his ERA is all the way up to 8.19. Uh, oddly enough, uh, r- refreshingly, uh, Cesar Valdez came in and had a decent three full innings. I think it was like the first time I want, I, I think I caught this on the broadcast, the first time since his uh, initial Orioles debut where he went three innings, but three innings, uh, three hits, no earned runs, two strikeouts. Uh, which helped drop his ERA down to a six and a quarter. Like yeah, and then we saw Sean Anderson come in. Sean Anderson we picked up, I want to say, from the Twins organization who DFA'd him uh, a few weeks ago. I think this is maybe Sean's second or third time in an Orioles uniform. He pitched two innings, gave up four hits. He did give up three earned runs. It got a bit ugly there. One walk, two strikeouts. His ERA uh, sitting at an eight seven six. So um, other than kind of the bright spot of Cesar Valdez, who definitely looked like he had more control on his dead fish uh, and was placing his fastball where he wanted it. Now, he still did give up a couple hits, uh, a couple really hard hits. But um, but, it you know, other than that, it, the only saving grace is that we only had three pitchers uh, versus the Kansas City Royals, who just kind of rolled out a new pitcher uh, each and every inning after um, – after what was his name? Dean Duffy uh, pitched four innings and gave up, uh, you know, right. that initial first earned run. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah that was right. it. That's a that's a good that is a good thing from this game. How often does your pitcher get knocked out in the third inning in a blow in somewhat of a blowout game, and you only use three pitchers? That's a, that is that's a good thing to come out of this. Good job, manager Hyde. <laughs> You know, and it's funny, I typically go to the ESPN uh, schedule page for the Orioles and, and, you know, if it's announced, they'll list out who's going to be pitching, you know, all the way up until, you know, the, the next series or two. Uh, I'm looking at the website yeah, right now. It is blank, uh, blank all the way down the list. Yeah. It, no idea. I mean, let's let's, you know, it could be Jorge Lopez, who uh, was on a bereavement. Uh, I'm trying to think who else, you know, right. who else could it be? Uh, could it be well, Spencer Watkins? I said that Lopez. I said Lopez is penciled in for tomorrow. Uh, That's I if hoping, he comes back. Yes. Now here's who I want to see: Dylan Tate. Dylan Tate was supposed to get a start pre All Star break, but we had a rain out. And I'm curious to see if Dylan Tate. Sure, when they put him in, they're thinking bullpen game and get him three innings. But I want to give Tate the opportunity to take the rubber zero zero, and I want to see if he can make any movement into that rotation. I wouldn't mind seeing that either, because I think that with Dylan Tate, he's a guy that's been around in the organization. He came up as a starter, like many of these guys in the bullpen do. Uh, but he was a starter all the way up into the minors. Uh, I remember when Dylan made his uh, his debut with the Orioles and came in with a ton of confidence. 
uh, that was quickly dashed because he was knocked around um, often in, in, in hard. Yep. So, uh, but we've seen Dylan come back and have a pretty good year this year. Uh, it, it's, it's not been so up and down. It's been a bit even keeled, but the, when he's been on, he's really been on. And I, you're right. I think that they had penciled it in on the game that ended up getting rains out where he was going to be an opener, but in the back, you know, I think all of us had that same idea where let's see how long he can go. Can he go three, four? Why pull him if he's got the game under control? Right. Cause that starter role is a different mentality. And we talk a lot about the mentality of a bullpen arm because a bullpen arm, the mentality is you got to be focused. You got to be paying attention to the game. You got to be all while you're sitting on the bench waiting because when you get called, you got to get in there and you got to be lights out. Yeah. Both, uh, starter is more of a game manager position where you got to get through the lineup, work with your guys, control the inning. Um, totally different mindset that I think Dylan Tate could handle because we've seen him start in the minors that I'd like, that's the guy I'd like to see. And part of it may be that I've given up on all of our starters. Well, let's kind of go through the list. We've got Thomas Eshelman. We got Jorge Lopez. We've got um, Matt Harvey, uh, Spencer Watkins. These are all the folks that have kind of been our last rotation. Um, yeah. I, I, like I find Watkins. it interesting. I do too, as well. I, I, I've liked what I've seen. Even Eshelman to some degree, I find he does a manageable job, um, you know, given the right situation. Uh, yeah. I find it interesting that Tyler Wells is listed as a starting pitcher on the ESPN roster page and not a relief pitcher. Tyler Wells is somebody who I think has also earned an opportunity uh, for a, yeah, a chance to start this year. Uh, look, we're not in any type of playoff race. Uh, again, Another guy who you know has spent his entire career as a starting pitcher has done extremely well in bulk relief. Uh, and again, you're right, coming in with that mindset. Now, again, it's a different mindset because you're coming immediately in the top of the you know top of the first uh, or bottom of the first, and and you're facing the top of the opponent's lineup, right? Their best hitters uh, right out of the gate. And I think that you plan for that, and I think you come in. I think that you spend. Um, a lot more time than you do in the bullpen. You spend that entire week prepping for that, working with the catcher, knowing what you're going to be throwing. So, yeah, I would love to see Tyler Wells get that opportunity as well as Dylan Tate. Yeah, and you're also preparing that I'm going to face this guy more than once. It's not let me throw the ball hard past him because I won't have to face him again. You're planning on I'm going to face him at least twice, hopefully three times. Right. Yeah, but yeah, this this well, list hopefully this, three times because you're late and not <laughs> being blown up. The the list of available options is not good. Uh, it's it's Thomas Eshelman, it's Matt Harvey. We don't want to see either one of those guys. Uh, so the the only one that we really want to we wouldn't mind seeing is Spencer Watkins. Uh, until we get Zimmerman back, yes. until we get John Means back, it's going to be an ugly situation for us for the next few weeks. Yeah, and here's why I think Aiken got the start today. To back off. Now that we are, we're past the halfway point, we're past the draft, we're past the all-star game, we really need to figure out if we have anyone besides John Means that can be in this rotation next year. So, Because right now, I don't see anyone. No one has shown me that they deserve to be in the 2022 rotation. 
Ooh, you're right. Uh, you know, and I was just trying to take a peek and see who pitched tonight uh, down in Norfolk. It looks like they had uh, Kyle Bradish as kind of an opener role who pitched one, uh, one and two thirds innings, got hit around at four hits, five earned runs. That's not great for Kyle Bradish, one of the guys that I think we were all counting on seeing this year. Uh, right. They ended up kind of having a, a bullpen day. Uh, I did. Looks like uh, Sean Armstrong ended up getting tagged with the loss for that, um, but it did look like Blaine Knight came in and had a, a really nice uh, inning, inning in a third actually, just giving up two hits, striking out well, one. But he's got a great ERA of under one. Yeah, but that, I mean, but you're also pointing out the fact that there's not a whole lot of excitement in Norfolk either, as far as the rotation and pitching. There's excitement. There's a couple guys. Uh, like Bradish, but the excitement's in Bowie. And I don't know. Maybe you take that jump next year. I don't. I think that's going to be based on the CBA. I think the CBA negotiations in the offseason could affect how quickly you bring people up because if they get rid of those, any time clock things and stuff, that could affect things. But really, you're looking at guys who are already in the majors to at least fill out two to three holes in your rotation next year, and I just don't see it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's going to, and especially, I mean, you know, look, the fact that uh, the organization, you know, could still tr trade John Means. I mean, he's a, a value commo a valuable commodity for the organization. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's somebody that could absolutely uh, get traded here in the next two weeks. Uh, so I tell you, so. That may be why you don't bring him up while he sucks. <laughs> I agree. Uh, so, so we kind of covered the pitching, and I think really the pitching is what. Um, you know, anytime you give up nine runs, especially when you give up six runs so early on, um, I, I just hate that we're a team that just cannot come back from that. I mean, I, I'm not sure if they mentioned it, but did you see the, uh, uh, the score to the Nationals Padres game? I did not. Uh, so it's just one of those, it, it just kind of shows you the difference from an organizational perspective on, on, you know, where organizations like the Nationals uh, and, and Padres are versus somebody like the Orioles. Let me just kind of pull this up here, see if it's uh, actually ended. Well, they, they it was are a, both further ahead of us in any type of rebuild. 24 to 8. Uh, the, the Padres score 24 <laughs> runs off of 22 hits. I do think that somebody in the game had a hit for the oh, cycle. Wow. But uh, to be fair, the, the Nationals. For the Nationals? Uh, let's see. The loss goes to uh, uh, Eric Fetty. Uh, I'm not sure if he actually started right. the game or not. No, he was actually a relief pitcher. So uh, let, let me see if I can pull that up and see who started the game. But, but you uh, know what? That's that's got that World Series two years ago. So uh, those fans are still living off that. Absolutely. Now, here's one of the comments that I made. Uh, of course, when I made my my tweet comment in a group chat, I um I, I misspelled it or, or repeated the same word two twi twice. But I feel I feel like the Royals are everything that the Orioles organization would like to be. Same same type of small market team. They've kind of got a a big brother next door in the St. Louis Cardinals, kind of living in their shadow. Um, yet the the Royals seem to be working through their rebuild uh, in a much cleaner fashion. It, it's not so much as a long drawn out rebuild as it is kind of a, a quick reset. I mean, they went out and traded for Andrew Benatendi. 
um, you know, they seem to be playing, you know, kind of a, a 500 type season uh, that is typically par for the course for them with the occasional playoff run. And, and that's something that I see that the Orioles really want to be. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, and that's where you'll see. I hate I hate this comparison. Oreo, uh, Baltimore Oriole fans do this comparison all the time, and I hate it because it's different. But this is the whole argument of the Orioles need to be like the Ravens, where every year they're in it, and if things click, they're making the push in the playoffs. But every year they're competitive and into it. And that is – I hate the comparison because the sports are completely different. Uh, yeah. But that is what you want to be. You want to be the team that can be in the t- conversation every year. That if things click, if a pitcher gets hot, that's enough to bump us into the playoffs. That's what you got to be as a small market team. Um, the Royals, I don't know. I don't feel like the Royals ever went through a real rebuild. And they had, and they seem to be very similar to the Red Sox. As in, they'll be like, great, one year, next year at the bottom. Then the next year they come back up. They're a weird team where I don't know. I'd have to look at where their farm system is because it never feels like they're bringing up like homegrown talent. It seems like they just make acquisitions. And I don't think that – I think the Orioles really screwed by being in the AL East. And I think it sounds like an excuse when I say that. But I think it's a different mentality. When you look at the fact that the Orioles have the hardest schedule in Major League Baseball this year, then they pretty much do every year. They've played 11 games so far this season against teams that are not above 500. That's ridiculous. And that's going to make it much harder to make a quick turnaround because you're going to have to be like the Yankees and the Red Sox who every year can be in there. Now they do it by spending money. The Orioles are going to have to make sure that every year their farm system's ready so that when Adley Rushman is done and demands too much money so he has to leave Baltimore, that we have another catcher ready to go, another star player. And that's going to be really tough, and that's why Michael Elias keeps talking about the long-term plans for the farm system that it's not just about 2023 as much as i need 2023 as an orioles fan in order for the orioles to still be good when my kids care about the orioles <laughs> which, come on, i don't i don't know if those girls will ever care but in order for let's say let's say my uh we'll go with matt's son when my or we'll go when my nephews are are teenagers I would like them to have a good Orioles team to root for. We're talking I 10 years down the road. 10 years down 10 yeah. years down the road is what you're looking at. Now, is that just yeah. from a from a fan's perspective though? That because you're right. I I actually believe that when when Michael Elias sits down uh, with the Angelos families and, and and they kind of write everything out, they're looking at things in that 7 8 you know, nine, 10 year type, uh, environment. And I just wonder like, yeah. you know, is, is that where we're at in baseball? Is, is that a reflection of the game that, you know, we were in such a sad state that, uh, you know, that's how far we have to go until we're playing competitive baseball. 
Uh, no. We're going to be playing competitive baseball in 2023. No question. I think we're even going to be somewhat competitive in 2022. But it's all about the long-term longevity. And right. I think the new CBA is going to have a good amount to say about that. But when I think about my life as an Oriole fan, I think back of, I had 1989, where the Orioles were a lot of fun to watch. I had a few years in the 90s, 97, where the Orioles made the playoff push. I have 2012. I have 2014. And that's about it. I was three years old last time the Orioles won a World Series. Fair. I need a World Series <laughs> for myself, but I don't want my nephews to have to go through what I went through with the 14 years of losing. And the 14 years of losing got us to the point that when we saw things start to click in 2012, which if you remember back then, we weren't planning on 2012 All right, a special year. We saw through all 14 years, we talked about the cavalry coming and we saw guys coming, but we didn't expect it all to click in 2012. Once it did, we sold the farm system out for four years, trying to take that flash, that just that click and push it to the next level and push it to the next level. And it made for some fun memories. None of us will trade the Delman Young double game for anything. Great memory, but it didn't. We traded everything for that World Series and we never got it. And that put us in the farm system situation that we're in today. Fair. So, you know, let's, I, I want to come back to that, but, but let's take a look at where we're at right now for, for the rest of this year. Um, I'm, I just wanted to pull up and, and get, okay. make sure that I got our, you know, so we're at 28 and 62. Uh, you know, I, I haven't worked the numbers, yeah. but I, I'm sure we're pretty close to, uh, you know, on track for a hundred loss season even. Uh, what expectations can we have? Oh, we'll get that. Yeah. So, 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 what do we have to look forward to for the for the rest of the season? I mean, are we looking at hey, who can we who can right. we trade off in the next two in the next two weeks in order to kind of get some prospects? Is that the biggest thing that we can hope for? Can we hope that they'll bring in some fresh talent, somebody else from AAA, or even call uh, up a few guys from Bowie and and see what those guys can do? What, what are the ex What do you want to see for the next? for this second half of the season. I assume that everybody has just written this season off, right? We're, we're not coming back. If, if we come back, they're making a movie about it. But no, we're not coming back. <laughs> um, the excitement for the second half is uh, the Jim Palmer bobblehead giveaway in a couple of weeks. I think that's next weekend. Uh, we had our peak as Oriole fans, our peak was this past week with Trey Mancini in the home run derby. That's the best thing about the Orioles season this year, unfortunately. Right. Um, I am fearful about what – I'm fearful about the Orioles and the trade deadline. Do we have anybody – do we have anybody to trade? I know – yeah. We have Cedric Mullins. Oh. We have Trey Mancini. And, and John means. About, and here's why I'm fearful. And yeah, and John means. And me, as a diehard Oriole fan who's been with them forever, I can justify trading any of these guys. 
I understand it. I can see it. I can make a case for trading any of them. We have a lot of people who are going to freak out as Oriole fans if any of these guys get traded, no matter what the return is. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, you know, especially when you see guys that have kind of come up. I mean, the, the, the three guys, the, you know, the three M's, you know, Means, Mullins, and Mancini are all drafted Orioles, right? They're all guys that came up in the organization. And, and anytime you've kind of invested time watching these guys, and especially guys that have stories like Trey Mancini does, and Trey Mancini has been a, a big leaguer for for several several years now. He, he really has become, you know, the, the face of the franchise um, you almost feel bad for the guy. I mean, he says all the right things, but, uh, you know, does he, would he rather be playing, you know, uh, on an, with an organization that's going to have a, a chance at the playoffs, you know, before he, you know, before he, uh, you know, hits retirement age. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com podcast. Easier said done uh I, I don't know if that's uh, in the cards for trey yeah. well let's just say i'm pretty sure that trey is renting not buying currently <laughs> his home in maryland yeah uh, I, I think you're right. right as oriole fans it would crush oriole fans to lose any of these guys but in the orioles position as sellers all of these guys are would be traded to teams who are making the playoff push so well, that's exciting for those players. Take take. I know it's hard for Orioles fans because, to be quite honest, we are so emotional. Uh, but let's take emotion out of it for a second. Uh, Trey Mancini and Ryan Mountcastle are essentially the same person. They're, they're the same baseball player. They're both splitting time between first base and DH. Uh, the only difference is that occasionally when we pay, play it, you know, in a National League ballpark. Uh, we'll trout Ryan Mountcastle out to left field and just hope nobody hits it out there. Uh, but they're essentially playing, you know, the exact same spot and do, performing almost uh, identically. You know, they're they're both power hitters, both right-handed power hitters. You know, we don't need both of them. So if we're not going to sell Mancini, you know, is there a chance that we might sell Mountcastle? Uh, no, I think you just made the point to trade Mancini. Mancini's older. He's gonna. He's more. He's gonna be more expensive very soon. Mountcastle's still a rookie. He right. had an amazing June. We haven't seen the ceiling of Mountcastle yet. Some may argue that we've seen the ceiling of Mancini. That we know with Mancini what we got. That if I can put Mountcastle every day at first base, I'm comfortable with that. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, 
And look, looking at our roster, there's a couple of these guys. You know, are we going to see DJ Stewart back in the outfield again? Uh, you know, I noticed him kind of walking out in the dugout, and I, I you know, I kind of scratched my head. Like, do we still need DJ? You know, is he kind of have we seen enough of DJ Stewart? Is it time to bring somebody else? Um, you know, from either Bowie uh, or from uh, I. To be quite honest, I want to see somebody from Bowie. I'm tired of seeing these guys on the Norfolk shuttle. I want to see them bring up somebody from Bowie. Uh, if I look at the um, if I look at the box score, I know they had a doubleheader today, but uh, Newstrom uh, had another two hits and two RBIs. I'm not sure if that was a, a two-run home run, uh, but he's just crushing the ball there in Bowie. Um, Riser has been playing exceptionally well uh, there in center field. Uh, and who played right field? Kyle Stowers, uh, who's hitting 296, uh, also had a hit and a walk. And a, uh, So, again, I would love to see one of these guys make the jump. And, you know, for the at least for the last month or two, give us a reason to tune in and watch. Pick right, somebody. So pick we some made the point on why you trade Trey Mancini. So now if you're talking about the outfield, it's all right. Well, here's why you can trade Cedric Mullins. You can trade Cedric Mullins because Austin Hayes, if you trust that he can stay healthy and his hamstring will be OK, that the duct tape's working, you can you can trust Austin Hayes in center field. Um. <laughs> We've got uh, who's the I'm, guy in Norfolk that's been hurt that we that we got for Machado. I'm gonna stop you right there. I yeah, feel like what you've been it. saying is is blasphemy. I, I think trading Cedric Mullins right now, All Star Cedric Mullins, is absolute blasphemy. But I I, I do kind of hear your point. Use okay. Neil Diaz is who right. we could call up. But the yeah, idea that is, yes. The idea that anybody in the organization, although although to be fair, Cedric Mullins did have his second error of the of the season tonight, uh, and the only downside to Cedric Mullins is his arm. Uh, the the guy, you know, Gold Glove caliber in the outfield, you know, absolute hitting machine, you know, hits for average, hits for power. I love everything about Cedric Mullins outside of his arm, but uh, I don't see anybody in the organization being able to fill that. I don't see it with Cedric, or sorry, with Austin Hayes. I don't really see it with Ryan McKenna, um, but you know, you're bringing up Yusniel Diaz, who again, you know, I feel like he's kind of getting the the nickname Mr. Glass. He's always broken. Right now, back up to Cedric Mullins. I love what I've been seeing from Cedric Mullins this year. He's so much fun to watch. But I could easily, easily, easily make the argument that this is the peak Cedric Mullins. So. You want to trade him now because you're never going to see Cedric Mullins again leading the American League in hits uh, like this. You're never going to see this from him. Is this We've a never seen. He has no track record except for this year. Is this is this kind of the the magic of Hanser Alberto, who we actually got to see tonight as well, back when he was kind of leading uh, all hitters against lefties? You know that. You know, hitting for average was just that, you know, spectacular spark of a player that, uh, again, we weren't able to trade him, but we also didn't feel like he was good enough to bring back. Uh, Hanser no, Alberto, no, by no, the way, uh, did have two hits, uh, scored two runs uh, tonight against the Orioles. Yeah, and he's great, and but he's I'll still always see him as a super utility guy. Right. He's no Cedric Mullins. This is peak Cedric Mullins. Any team, he's an all-star. Any team would love to have Cedric Mullins in their outfield this year. 
two last year, he couldn't. He struggled to make it on the major league team. He got oh, absolutely. two levels yep. in the minors. He's got no track record. This is the peak. If you trade Cedric Mullins for top prospects, I can be Mike Elias and I can justify Austin Hayes in center, uh, McKenna in left, and Diaz in right. And I just drafted another outfielder with power. That's a Cole college player, which means I want him. Yeah, I want him on track to be up here in two years. That means I don't need Cedric Mullins. I've got outfielders. And I, I, I know I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here. But oh, Mike Elias is looking long term. I think he has to. And Well, so we know that he's looking long term. But what is his short term plan? What is, what is Mike Elias' short-term plan to finish out this year? And more importantly, in my eyes, what's his plan for 2022? Yeah. Uh, 2022 is right. I think Mike Elias needs to make it clear that 2022 is the uh, upswing of the rebuild. And I think that I was very excited to see Mike Elias go after and bring it and draft a bunch of college players because I thought that was real telling. If you draft high school players, you're laying out the, the uh, rebuild another five years. College I agree. Players are way closer. And so that was telling to me that Michael Elias understands the timetable. I think 2022, I think 2021 was supposed to be the start of the upswing. I think they're using 2020 and not having a real season as kind of an excuse. The Kerstead setback uh, hurts, and that's going to be used as an excuse. But I think 2022, you have to start to show something that you're working on on the upswing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember who else did we, who, who did we draft after uh, Heston Kerstad? Um it was also kind of a, a first round uh, pick. Gunnar Henderson. Was that? Was Gunnar right after that? Or was or was or was Gunnar no. Adley's year? I don't remember. Yep, yep. I think Gunnar was Adley's year. Jordan Westberg, uh, was that the shortstop out of Mississippi State was drafted? Okay. Um, at you know late in that first round in the uh, compensatory pick, and then we had um, you know who I noticed now pops up on you know the the top Orioles prospect Hudson Haskin. The outfielder out of Tulane is now in the uh, the top 100 for the Orioles prospect list, and I'm I'm wondering again. This is a kid that, as I'm reading here, was signed for a little over two million dollars. But again, a four-year college player, somebody that you expect to see yeah. if you know if not this year up in Bowie, you know you know definitely next year, and then ready in 2023 as a possible outfielder. Um, again, remember we only had five uh, five guys drafted. I'm looking through the list, no other outfields. You know. We also didn't have – we seem really weak yeah. on pitching. Um, I was actually going back looking at a lot of the previous drafts, and that's definitely a differentiating strategy between Mike Elias and Dan Duquette. Dan Duquette went heavy on pitchers. Yeah, and, yeah. and Pocket it, Watch is pointing out uh, about, uh, about Elias passing on Rocker. So it's a good time to talk about this draft. I have no problem with passing on Rocker. I, in fact – I thought who they drafted made a whole lot of sense for the position that they were in. Um, 
I think that the step for a, I think a pitcher to the majors is way more of a risky move. Whether you're drafting at high school or college, it's way riskier just for the growth and and strength and uh, the jump for pitchers to the majors is way harder. And that doesn't even bring into account injuries and how much more injuries you got to deal with. So I like Michael Elias' role of if I have too many good outfielders, I can trade them for pitchers. I agree. I agree. And when when I look through the Orioles' top prospects, there's plenty of pitchers there. Obviously, we got Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. <clears throat> right down the list at number seven is Michael Bauman. I think he actually pitched in Bowie today, uh, if, if I go back and look, and, and actually pitched extremely well. Six innings, uh, gave up four hits, uh, two earned runs, eight strikeouts. Uh, so that's uh, extremely uh, uh, comforting to see. Uh, Michael Bauman pitched so well, you know, again, I'm looking for guys to make the jump from Bowie to, uh, to Baltimore. Uh, who else do we have on this list behind, uh, Mike Bauman? We've got Zach Lothar, who we've seen a little bit. I don't know if we've seen enough of Zach Lothar yet, but again, these are, you know, he's in that group, uh, of pitchers along with, uh, Alex Wells, who we thought we'd see a little bit more of, and maybe we will, maybe we're going to start seeing Zach Lowther, Alex Wells. And I feel like there was one more name that everybody had kind of thought that we'd see. Uh, Kevin Smith is over in AAA. He's, you know, ranked as our 15th top prospect. I'm just kind of going through names. We've seen Alex Wells, uh, a little bit, Carter Balmer, um, so I feel like the organization has enough pitchers. I mean, you know, that's six or seven guys in our top 20. Um, and that's before we get to guys like Ryland Bannon, Tyler Nevin, um, you know, these types of guys. So I too, you know, felt comfortable in not taking any pitchers until the late rounds. And again, I think that those are guys that you're going to have to work through the GCL, you know, the GCLs. Uh, you know, the low A's, the high A's, and, and let them kind of, you know, possibly spend two to three years uh, before we would even see them in Bowie. Any other yeah. thoughts on the on the rest of the draft? I feel like this is the, the time in the podcast where we start to lose uh, Josh a little bit as he drives through the outer banks. Uh, maybe he's still there, but, uh, I'll just talk over him for a little bit until he jumps back. But we did get, uh, Connor Norby. Uh, I actually listened to a podcast on the, the Locked On Orioles podcast this morning where they talked to, uh, one of the play-by-play -play announcers, uh, out at East Carolina. The guy is just a complete hitter. Again, getting a college player, you know, getting a, a middle infielder, you know, I feel really comfortable about that. I'm not sure if this guy's, you know, our, you know, uh, starting second baseman in 2022 two or even 2023 but you think down the road stack, stack you know stacking these guys up and having backups to backups i like this guy this guy's hitting for average with a little bit of power as well and if he's got a decent glove uh it looks like you know he's coming into an organization where we're not totally stacked uh on middle infield so i i like that uh in the looks like at the uh we also picked up uh at the end of the second round reed trimble out of southern mississippi an outfielder again 
it, it says here, you know, in, in the MLB draft tracker, it says that he was a sophomore, but it, it's interesting because it says a, a four-year sophomore. I assume that means he went to a four-year college and he completed his sophomore year. So it's not like he's, he's that right in between, right? He didn't play four years of college like we've seen from uh, guys in the past like Adley Rutschman. But even the, um, the two picks before, Colton Kowser and Connor Norby, they, they, they had three years, so they were juniors um, when they got drafted. So it gives you kind of an indication of where they sit next to somebody that might be a high school senior, for example. Um, and, and that's also the case for our third round pick, which was John Rhodes out of Kentucky, an outfielder. I really don't know a lot about these guys. Ah, there's Josh. Welcome back. Hey, I'm back. Let me turn my camera off so I can focus on driving. Um, I, w- right. I was just running so through you- the draft and, and kind of just kind of taking stock of, you know, these guys and their experiences and how that fits into the organization. Uh, looking at, yeah. you know, for the most part, these guys are juniors and sophomores that we drafted. So it lends to your kind of idea that, look, we're we're building a little bit more for the near term as well, stacking that talent, you know, versus a guy that's a, a high school player. I don't know if we picked. So we the in the eighth the round, rounds we did. Yeah, a guy out of you know out here in Texas, Creed Willems, uh, who is a uh, looks like he's a catcher. Uh, who else did we yep. pick that was a high school player? Yeah, remember how I said we would need a catcher when Adley Rushman's ready to go? <laughs> uh, yeah. no, we got we got but, two of them. Yeah, but remember, the Orioles' salary is like forty million or something this year. It's ridiculous. Um, you don't have to field all 26 players by homegrown talent. They're going to spend money when it's time. And when I look at this rotation for the future, I can easily see this rotation with uh, John Means, D.L. Hall, um, uh, Grayson Rodriguez. Rodriguez, and a placeholder, and then a veteran, reliable pitcher. Now, the Orioles have a horrible track record with bringing in better and reliable pitchers. Uh, a la, uh, Ubaldo and uh, uh, what's his name? Alex Cobb. Yeah. But I can see you have to add, you're going to, they're going to want to add a veteran guy into the rotation. So I'm not too worried about that. Again, yeah. And I- and I expect some of these other guys, I expect to see somebody like Michael Bauman uh, come up and, and maybe he earns a way into the rotation. Uh, maybe somebody yes. like Kevin Smith or, or and maybe we see some of these guys that they just need a little bit more time to, to work it out. To be quite honest, here's a bit of controversy for you, not, not to make this, uh, you know, too, too far out there. I feel like the entire Major League of Baseball is going through a bit of a reset as everybody has to stop using the sticky stuff. And so we're really going to see... Uh, especially in the second half of, of the season, which guys are good and which guys aren't. I mean, we kind of know that that everybody used a little bit of it. I mean, we all saw the video of John Means. Uh, so we all know that maybe he was using it. Uh, we all know that Paul Fry was listed in one of the legal actions. Uh, so we know that he was using it. Obviously, these guys are going to be checked. So let's see what happens with these guys as well as everybody else. How do they perform? Uh, and, and what does that look like across baseball? Um, you know, we're, are we going to see games like, uh, the Padres and, you know, more games like the Padres, uh, and the nationals and scores of, of 24 to eight seems like everybody is able to hit the, the non-sticky ball except for the Orioles. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. 
I, I keep meaning to go on Amazon and order some spider tack to really see like <laughs> how much better of a grip does it give me when I'm walking around my house and doing like odd jobs. Household Do I not cheers. drop dishes anymore? You know, <laughs> like, can I climb up the side of the wall? Pull a little Spider-Man action? I guess it helps a little bit. But I don't know. Is baseball regretting that they deadened the ball this year? I don't know. I hate that baseball made these changes midseason. I don't think that's fair to pitchers. I think that's something where you might even see it lead to more injuries because pitchers are going to try to throw harder to get that spin rate up that apparently the spider tack was helping get. Well, and we saw that um, tonight. We saw both Austin Hayes and Cedric Mullins both get hit by pitches tonight. Unfortunately, they uh, neither one of them were driven in uh, as runs, but we did see that happen out there tonight. I'm not sure if that was a situation where the ball just slipped, uh, and maybe it wouldn't if the pitcher had some type of tact in his hand. Yeah. Um, which reminds me, as you're talking about control, I wouldn't be too surprised to see if the Orioles trade Tanner Scott right now either. Because he's still throwing the ball hard. He's showing flashes enough that I could see – you're not going to get a great return, but I could see another team being interested in him. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. You know, I think that everybody had assumed that Paul Fry was on the trading block and the Orioles would, would trade away Paul. And, and Paul had a great, I think, beginning of, the, of, of this year but has not played all that well uh, you know, within the past – you know, probably two months. So I'm not exactly sure what we could get. And again, I feel like if you're not going to get uh, a prospect back, then, you know, is it going to be another kind of situation where we're trading away guys like Richard Blyer and it's just for players to be named later? Um, you know, I feel like we're really actually hurting from last year when we traded away our entire bullpen, Richard Blyer, Michael Givens, Miguel Castro. Uh, yeah. We also, you know, throw in Tommy Malone. I could care less about Tommy Malone. Uh, but I think those three guys were really hurting this year and not having that, uh, you know, that, that veteran presence in the bullpen. Yeah. And, and, and speaking of that, that goes back to your, your comments about how does this second half go for the Orioles as far as a management organization uh, style and preparing for the future. At what point do you just stop letting Matt Harvey pitch? He, you're not going to be able to trade him. He's shown flashes, but really he's just an in and eater. At what point is it better for me to see Dylan Tate get a start or Zimmerman or Lothar get a start? All these guys that have op potential opportunities in the future versus Matt Harvey just being a placeholder for this season. And, and my assumption is, is that if Matt Harvey is not traded at the trade deadline, the very next day he is DFA'd. Uh, I'm going to have serious concerns with the organization if that doesn't happen. Um, and unless you're right, I mean, look, is it just because we, we need warm bodies and we don't have those bodies, which was the situation we were in in 2019. Remember we were bringing in guys like Asher Wojciechowski, uh, in yes. 2019. Um, I mean, there was a, several guys because we just didn't have anybody in triple a, that the organization right. felt like they could bring up. I don't think that that's the case anymore. I think that we've got enough guys like Wells, Lothar, even going a little bit deeper and, and Bauman. We have guys that we can pull up and, and give them a shot. Not only that, we've got guys in our bullpen today. We've got Tyler Wells. We've got Dylan Tate. Hell, we can even talk about throwing Cesar Valdez out there in a starting, you know, starting opportunity. Yes, but then you've got this big question of does yanking people up to Norfolk 
when the Orioles just straight suck, does it help development or does it hurt development? Uh, you're not seeing Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall make the jump to Norfolk, even though they're – or even better, Adley Rushman. You're not jumping those guys up yet because it, you're working on development. And a key with them is keeping those three guys together. So right now you don't have room on Norfolk to bring them all up because Norfolk is where your placeholders are for yo-yo guys. So it's, it's – you're balancing development – Versus getting through the Orioles season. And that might be an excuse to leave Matt Harvey in the rotation as much as that irritates us Oriole fans. I agree. I agree. There, there's, you know, I, looking through the, the Orioles, we could always, we could bring up Fernando, Fernando Abad. Uh, we haven't seen him yet uh, up for the Orioles. We, Sean Armstrong is, is back there with the Norfolk Tides. Um I'm just kind of looking through Cody Carroll, I think is still kind of, you know, working his way through a, a relief role. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you catch Marcos uh, Deplon? Uh, he was part of that futures all-star game. You know, he's up in Norfolk as well. He did not pitch well, uh, you know, in, in that futures game. I, you know, I think a lot of people, myself included, at least were surprised to see him up there. Um, but yeah, he's up there. Um, I'm just kind of, you know, we could always recall Mickey Janice, you know, as another option. He's back to, uh, down uh, with the Norfolk Tides. And then there's Dean Kramer. Uh, let's see here. Evan Phillips. These are guys that we've seen before. And I imagine, right. again, to, to that point, we don't need Matt Harvey. Those The, the, guy, the list that I just ran through can take his place. Hell, Evan Phillips can take his well, place. Was, but then it comes to, do we need Evan Phillips? <laughs> you know, like, it's like... Um, like, I feel like, to me, I've seen enough of Stevie Wilkerson. I've seen way more than a lifetime I've Pat Vileka for me. But these guys are still there to placehold because we don't want to bring up guys yet in that position uh, because for, of development, I guess. I no, mean, I don't Bobby buy the Jones, de- they didn't want to bring up because of development. I don't buy the development piece anymore. I, I, I do understand the Jemai Jones because, you know, they were looking to kind of, you know, rotate people around and they still needed Pat Vileka because they needed that ultra utility guy to be able to cover not only second base, but anywhere else, uh, which to me, I understand why they brought in Kelvin Gutierrez, who I'm actually really like. I really like watching Gutierrez. He's uh, he's been playing some really solid, um, you know, defense at third base and i think his bat has the potential to be there and i'm really liking what we're seeing out of ramon reyes as well um so i i, I get that everybody's clamoring for jump uh Jemai jones but i i don't know if the situation i i do think he'll be coming up shortly i just i i do understand why the organization decided not to bring him up quite yet um but then you know we also have mason mccoy is mason mccoy really up in norfolk uh, am i looking at this right I thought Mason was a little bit farther down in the organization, but it looks like he's sitting there in AAA. I have no idea how he's doing. Um, then, of course, there's always Ryan Ripken. Uh, you know, bring Ryan up. He did have his first triple, uh, first home run in Norfolk recently. Yeah, here's – well, all right. I kind of won't think – Ryan Ripken – I was thinking this was going to be the year to see Ryan Ripken in the Oriole uniform. Um because you don't bring Ryan Ripken up to improve your ball club, 
you bring Ryan Ripken up to say, hey, Cal's son is playing in Camden Yards. Look, and, uh, and this is the year it doesn't matter. <laughs> so so let's let's but, be honest here. If 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 you get news that Ryan Ripken is going is is getting called up for his major league debut, are you buying tickets? Are you going to that game? Uh, I already went and saw Ryan Ripken play with Norfolk, and it was fun. It was fun to see a Ripken. This is in the Orioles. This this is in Camden Yards. A Ripken on yeah. the field at bat. Are you are you buying that ticket? No. But the Orioles don't care about selling the ticket. Here's That's what they true. want. They want to be able to put Cal sitting behind home plate on the Jumbotron. They want that because that's going to get the attention on the TV broadcast. That's going to make Sports Center or whatever the kids watch nowadays. And I'll be what I sport I don't know if Sports Center's still on, but you know what I'm I, talking about. The I don't know if kids game, watch baseball. Well, no, the MLB does that cool. What's the cool? There's a show on MLB Network I watch occasionally. I used to watch it regularly. And that's like I think the, I like think I'm pretty sure that the kids just play the video game. I don't know if they actually watch All the right, game. Fine. They just <laughs> fine. The, the highlight for TikTok is going to be Cal <laughs> watching Ryan Ripken take his first at bat and Cal Ripken with flashes to 21:31 when Ryan Ripken's like three years old and being held by his dad. Yep. Uh, I'm buying that ticket. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm buying that ticket. I'm going to that game. I, I want to see that. There may or may not be a tear in my eye. Yeah, I'm ready. You do the emotional thing of, of Ryan Ripken and Cal Ripken in the dugout pregame over huh. by the four plank for senior. Yeah. You, you recreate the shot of <laughs> – of Billy and Cal and Ryan sitting in the dugout like the old shot with Senior. And the I feel like you're. I feel like you should choreograph all this. the heartstrings. Yeah, Orioles, call me up. We all know that <laughs> Ryan Ripken doesn't do you any good except for those heartstrings. Let's pull that out in 2022 because I don't want you screwing with my team in 2023. <laughs> Go ahead and mess around this year. I'm there for it. I'm there for it. Well, I tell you what, Josh, we're coming right up at the hour. Uh, this has been a lot of fun getting back into the hey, Birdland I, tonight, uh, even though it wasn't a great game. I have six more hours to drive. You sure you don't want to keep going? I, I do not have six more hours to uh, to know. stay up, but I, I appreciate the offer. I'll be over soon. All right. But hey, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hopefully you'll see more of us uh, more often, especially if the Orioles get on a run. All right. Good night, folks. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.